0: Bring me shelter, I will not harm you. Bring me shelter, please. Bring me shelter, I will not harm you. I would shelter
1: you. People would do anything for their families, it could happen to anyone, anytime
2: somebody in France, somebody in England, basically sat down with a ruler and just drew lines on that. There are many different ethnic and religious groups that have been divided across borders,
3: and this has caused a significant amount of conflict. There
1: are a lot of people who need safety. It is really cruel for a country like Australia to have policies that are focused only on pushing people away.
4: What we're
3: seeing is a number of people that remain in a state of limbo And when non-sustainable land use combines with climate change, the crisis of refugees...
4: I wasn't able to go and play with children. I had to go and really be an adult from a very young age. I think that's something that a lot of migrant children can relate to.
0: Really, it was a dream for me to reunite with my family. I was just praying and hoping that, that day will come one day. I think it's very
3: important
2: for people to understand that people have their own dreams as well and they're wanting to change the world with everybody else. Refugee, refugee,
4: refugee, refugee. Refugee, refugee. refugee. refugee Radio,
0: 855 AM, 3 0.
1: Welcome to Refugee Radio on 3CR 855 AM, digital or streaming from 3cr.org.au. My name is Brendan Bonsack. 3CR broadcasts from the land of the Wawantari people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge that this is stolen land. First Nations sovereignty has never been ceded and no treaty exists. We pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. On the 28th of September this year, 3CR attended the launch of Abdul Samad Haideri's new book, The Red Ribbon, at the Southern Migrant and Refugee Centre in Dandenong. Abdul is a journalist and poet currently living in exile in Indonesia, having fled his homeland as a result of persecution due to his writing. The book was published with the support of Writing Through Fences. Today, we replay excerpts from the event, hosted and emceed by John Golzari.
2: Uh, first of all, I thank each one of you together here. Today is quite important and crucial for Hazaras. Today is the, is the day which is commemor- commemorating 21st of September. 21st of September, 1891 to 1893. A brutal king, which his name is Amir Abdurrahman Khan. He has waged a war on Hazaras, and uh, 62% of Hazaras have been genocide. Hazaras have seen a lot of bloodshed. Hazaras have been, this may be 100 waves of migration since 1891 and 93, the genocide of Hazaras. There have been hundreds of waves of migration that people have been falsely evicted from their lands. If you see the four northern region of Afghanistan has been taken from Hazaras, and they are forced into corner, a central region of Afghanistan. This book is written by Abdul Samad Haidri, and he is from Damodai Gauzar region, the place where I came from. And if by reading this book, you will witness the first-hand information that atrocities have taken place. His recollections of more than 200 pages of books, documents is testament to that that the torture that he suffered under taliban and the atrocities that happened to him while just barely making survi- surviving we are acknowledging that abdul is not with us here but as janet kindly put a chair here just to get the vibe and the feeling that he is with us why he is not with us because he can't get a visa because he is a Hazara asylum seeker who is for years languishing in Indonesia, even despite the fear, he is a journalist, poet, and civil rights activist. But for years, being considered a genuine refugee, he still struggles to get a visa and uh, come to a safer country. So I acknowledge that. So I'd like to invite Janet Galbraith to come and share some lies on the book and say what this book is about. Please put your hands together for her.
3: Thank you so much for um, allowing me to be part of the remembrance as well as bringing some of Abdul's work to this space and to Australia. It's quite overwhelming, really. (laughs) I was thinking too about Australia and about the horrors that people go through in getting to this place and then what happens to them here. And I was thinking too about the long history of um, attempted genocide in this country um, of the First Nations people. And I think. That they're all tied together, this, this terrible white supremacism, uh, colonialism, um, racism, all of this is enmeshed and somehow we need to continue to understand how things are working together and through that support each other in trying to undo some of that enmeshment you Abdul um, I was really lucky to make contact with Abdul um, he's a really accomplished writer, journalist and activist. he's done an enormous amount for his twenty eight years um, and we talk a lot about about writing and poetry but we've also talked quite a bit about the effects of trauma and I think that's one of the things that comes through the book and that Abdul wants people to recognize. Rather than just skipping over the lived visceral effects of this trauma we need to read it and allow it to become enmeshed in our bodies as well. And I know that a lot of you here that is enmeshed in your bodies but for people like me it's another education. I know I can't feel it in the same way, but to be given this gift is beautiful. So Abdul, um, he was working as a journalist and also as a human rights activist and also as an aid worker. And he was targeted and his family were targeted because of his writing. He was very determined, even though he was threatened a number of times, he was still very determined to talk about the massacres, to talk about the bombings, to talk about the destruction and the killings of Hazara people. And in this collection, you will know that there is much that was difficult to write because his writing is not simple. He doesn't tell one story. He's very nuanced. He tells very intimate stories through his poetry and they accumulate to make something that is a very visceral experience. He says that his writing was often crafted in times of crying, loneliness, and anguish when food and clean water were hard to come by. But at the same time, and I I think that this is part of the beauty and power of art and poetry. He says, and yet I surrendered myself to dreams of tall mountains standing proud, strobed by the shimmering colours of a reviving rainbow. And these were greeted by forever green fields above where red-tailed hawks soar. He talks about being relieved of some of his burdens in some inexplicable and magical way, creating a renewed hope. And I guess the hope doesn't remain necessarily, but in the act of creation it seems that there is this moment of renewed hope that is about survival and hopefully at times about living. I think this is an incredibly important collection and I was amazed when I first read it right through. It's set in 11 parts and he's put different headings um, with explanations. Um, he, some of them are refugees, love, hope and survival, nostalgia, authoritarianism, post-traumatic stress disorder, ter- terrorism and genocide, loneliness and separation. For me, I don't feel like I've read anything like this in the way in which the Red Ribbon calls the reader into layer after layer of experience. It's kind of like life, his life, and then all of the history that he also embodies, the history of what the Hazaras have gone through and continue to go through. It piles up, and it's like you go through and there are fossils and there are fresh leaves and valleys and bends and cold snow and moonlight and rocks and then thirsty dry dry riverbeds and all of this exists in one which I think is what's most profound about this book. At times he also speaks very directly to the reader and he draws us in and he asks us questions and especially to those of us who have not experienced having to flee our homeland. He asks us cre- ask questions. And and he, in doing that, he replaces responsibility. He replaces um, the questioning subject. So he becomes the person who questions rather than the person who is questioned. Um, so yeah, you can't read a life, you can't read an experience, you can't read just that in this book. There's an ever-changing beingness of people, of place, relationship, history and they accumulate, accumulate page after page. And at the same time, and this happens too, Abdul, whenever you write or speak to me, there's this amazing accumulated, accumulation of love deep sorrow but really deep love which I think shines through beautifully in this book as well as in the person that Abdul is. This chair here, it's got red velvet because it's the red ribbon. It's got two of Abdul's books and it's got a red rose that I picked at about five o'clock this morning when I couldn't sleep and the rose is for Abdul's sister. And The Red Ribbon is also for Abdul's sister. So I'm going to read this poem, The Red Ribbon, that is written about Abdul's sister. The Red Ribbon. I did not leave home by choice. I escaped from carnage and stared at death in the eye, refusing to die. I fled from the bullets to stay alive. I did not leave by choice. I escaped fear of death without even packing, but with a backpack filled with shards of broken memories lodged deep in my mind that haunt me every night. All I remember, scrambling in tears around the dead body of my little sister, trying to wake her up, but she would not open her eyes. So I took Saleha's red ribbon with me instead. I untied it from her hair. She was laying there, steeped in her own blood, seeping out of a bullet hole in her chest. I saw her face was swollen and bruised, like a red flower bud. I tried to wake Dad too, but like my sister, he lays lifeless beneath the rubble. I tried to dig him out but I could not save him. I desperately called for help but like me others too were running for their lives and screaming over the dead bodies of their loved ones. This time it was forever and I could not say a long goodbye to them. Mum could not even cover them in shrouds of white nor could I snap her out of the trance as she bawled her eyes out in deep grief loudly. I could not even hug the fallen walls of my home for a last time. And mum screams, watch out, as the bullets were flying all around us. I held her hand right tight and we ran. One shoe on, one shoe left behind, panting heavily as if our hearts were about to blast apart. Mum gets hit, cries and screams, attempts to run on, falls down. I lift her up and she falls down again trying to keep the wound closed by putting her fingers inside. I too was crying, teetering in the embrace of life and death, fighting on with whatever was left. I struggled to keep her hands in mine as we tripped over rubble, their bodies ripped by thorns and edges of sharp rocks. Everyone was searching around for safety and we kept running, stepping over corpses that were laying in the cold on roadsides and farms. All we could do was to run as fast as possible. But this time it was just the two of us. We sought the hillsides for protection to shield ourselves from those flashing bullets like thunderstrikes. I ran with my mother. We ran until we could no longer run. And I cried with my mother. We cried until we could no longer cry. We fought together to stay alive. So I took Saliha's red ribbon with me. I untied it from her hair. She was lying there, steeped in her own blood, seeping out of a bullet hole in her chest. This time, it was forever, and I could not say even a goodbye to them for at least one last time.
1: Thank you. You are listening to Refugee Radio on 3CR. We're playing excerpts from the launch of Abdul Samad Haideri's new book, The Red Ribbon, at the Southern Migrant and Refugee Centre in Dandenong in September this year.
4: It is a privilege and honour to present this to you, the kind and compassionate human rights supporters. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming to this event. I am Abdul Samad Haideri, former journalist humanitarian aid worker, a poet from Afghanistan, a stateless refugee, a member of the Hazara tribe. Our collective historical memory includes the brutal per- period of genocide and under Abdurrahman from the 1880s, and this continues to present day, with 62 percent of our tribe gone through Grinding oppression and Mer's murder is currently under the Taliban. I have had terrible experiences collecting up pieces of decimated human flesh from bomb blasts from the streets of Afghanistan and Khyber Pakistan. I remember constantly living on, under siege with food, without food or medicine. Bullet holes, peppered buildings, and my favorite Africa trees were destroyed by missiles and rockets. At seven, I became a refugee. At nine, I became a child laborer on construction sites in Iran. The Red Ribbon is a collection of poems about my survival as a war torn refugee. The Red Ribbon name is a tribute to my little sister. Salih and Hakima, who was killed by the Taliban. I untied the r- ribbon from her hair as she laid it under the rubble of her bombs and took it with me as memorabilia to a stolen life. Writing this book was not easy. It took five years to write, followed by a year of editing to complete. It was painful because I had to revisit traumatic life experiences which involved a whole heap of persistence seasoned with faith, PTSD-induced sweat and many hard tears. Often, noisy, my noisy companion was an empty stomach and we two hankered down in a hot and humid room 60 kilometers away from Jakarta, in a remote or Kampung. I was also kept company by sat-morning frogs croaking away, and yet I was alive, writing the story of my life in poetic form. Here is the poem called Red Markers, from from my book, The Red Ribbon. I was forced to flee for the first time when I was a child. There has never been a moment I can remember when I could live a life without fear of persecution. I grew up with limited freedom, tacked an ear rot like an animal with a label on my forehead, refugee. There's nothing good to remember because my entire life has been confined inside a circle met with a red marker. This has marked me a refugee with a given code number and category marked up. Other red markers painted the bloodshed of my friends, relatives and family. Amputated hands of children and dead bodies surrounded and circled those still living. There was a time when we put on white gloves to collect body parts from the rooftops of houses and lambs of the flesh from the branches. Fresh flesh hang on the walls as red markers, highlighting hatred and underlining vile violence. I came from a real hell, where the rats owned the kingdom and are still now passing decrees over who should live and who should not. The second poem is called Befriending the Night. The night is cold. The stillness fills the room with despair as the gloomy darkness looms in. I rub both arms around my torso into a tight, hack belly-worn. I squeeze as hard as I can Trying to ease the cold fever that rolls through me. Knives keep digging, digging through my hollowed out stomach from the inside out. Excruciating pain shoots through a starving body, even in sleep. A starvation torments and jolts me like. I groan and scramble across the room as sharp, invisible knives, and needles stab through the bones, and the cold to sweat rushes across my face. My frail body, far too thin, too weak to move. I can't afford to eat, let alone have clean water to drink, only the water that drowns from the contaminated pipes gets me through the long days and nights. It's midnight again, there's no one here but the dreary stillness of the long and lonely night. My eyes begin to well up, and tears roll down my face, gently crossing my cheeks, telling me that they are here to stay. Gentle waves of nostalgia make their way into my heart, yearning for something familiar. I listen to loss I listen to a song of night ne- I listen to a night single singing into the night from afar to tend and soothe my suffering. Yet amidst the growing silence my heart beat is loud like thunder. Masking the sides of the night tingle, reminding me that I am here alone. Now, with all that I have, a small tomb bed covered to sleep on, placed half under my back and the rest of it wrapped around me. Bearing far beyond humble, Fall less than a rat to sleep on. The tiles are cold and moist. My torn backpack is my pillow. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening.
1: You've been listening to Refugee Radio on 3CR. We've been playing excerpts of the launch of Abdul Samad Haideri's new book, the Red Ribbon at the Southern Migrant and Refugee Centre in Dandenong in September this year. For more information on the book and Abdul, please visit 3cr.org.au forward slash refugee radio show. Tune in every week. The show is on at 10am on Sundays. That's all we have time for this week and please stay tuned for Latin American Update.
0: Je suis en